You are listening to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, with your host, Randy Sutton. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. We are in the midst of a crisis. We are seeing a pandemic like this nation has never seen before. It's led to disruptions of every community across America. It's led to deaths on a level that we have not seen as a country for many decades. Who's on the front line? It's the American law enforcement officer. I'd like to read to you an op-ed that I wrote similar to the one that was published in the Daily Caller and on law enforcement today. It will sum up uh, many of my thoughts and concerns. Our law enforcement officers are on the front lines of a very new war. It is a war not against crime, but against a disease, a scourge that is challenging our nation on a level that has never occurred before. It is, of course, the coronavirus. Lives are being lost, families, are being torn apart. The economy is in shambles and unemployment is approaching epidemic proportions. Who stands on the front lines as this pandemic tears across America? The American law enforcement officer. The police have faced challenges in regards to their safety since the first police officer or sheriff's deputy pinned on a badge. They have faced armed criminals natural disasters, and threats of all kinds. But not in recent history have they faced not only the threat of civil unrest due to economic failure, but at the same time the threat of infection from a disease that is not even understood by the medical community. The reality is this. Without law enforcement, the United States of America faces violence and lawlessness on a scale that is incomprehensible. It is only the thin blue line that stands between a civilized society and epic criminality on a scale which is almost inconceivable should society degenerate. In just the past few weeks, when this pandemic began to be recognized for the threat that it it, it truly is, law enforcement officers across the United States have become infected, and law enforcement agencies throughout the country have been slow to recognize the threat and deal with it properly. Some agencies have taken precautions, issued safety equipment, and announced that they would not answer calls that prioritized safety to citizens and police. Others have completely failed to protect their officers, including not even giving them the information when they were exposed to infection. The Wounded Blue is the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Law Enforcement Officers. It is our duty and responsibility to stand on their behalf and demand that their agencies and their communities step up to their responsibilities and safeguard the lives and safety of the American law enforcement officer. The unfortunate reality is this. Police leadership and political leadership has often shirked their responsibility when dealing with injured and disabled law enforcement officers. They have often turned their backs on these men and women who have sacrificed so much. With the encroachment of this new disease and new threat, 
It is the frontline officer who once again stands the line. Hundreds or thousands may become infected with the coronavirus. They will enter people's homes who are infected. They will arrest people who are infected. They will come into contact with literally hundreds of people a day, and many will inevitably fall ill. These illnesses will run the gamut from minor to deadly, and here's my prediction. Many of these men and women will be told that they are on their own for health care. Many of these men and women will suffer not only from the disease, but from the financial burdens associated with falling ill. Why? Because their departments, their agencies, and their city governments will fail them and refuse to recognize this disease as a workers' compensation injury. If that sounds incomprehensible to you, allow me to point out that as an organization that works with injured and disabled law enforcement officers across this country, I have witnessed firsthand the abandonment of untold numbers of officers shot, stabbed, beaten, and injured in traffic accidents. This is why I suggest, no, I demand, that our government on a state and federal level immediately declare that any law enforcement officer contracting the coronavirus place a presumption on the contraction of that disease as a workers' compensation injury and treat it as such. I call on the governors of each state, as well as city and local political leaders, to step up and enact legislation to protect our law enforcement officers without hesitation. This country is in crisis. Our very society is in peril as we face this pandemic. We must come together as a people and unite. We also must recognize that our law enforcement officers play a crucial role in our society, a role that thrusts them into the epicenter of danger and disease. In the months to come, inevitably, lives will be lost, both civilian and law enforcement. Many others will become infected and their lives change forever. The time is now to stand with those who stand the line for us. Support legislation that recognizes law enforcement officers who contract coronavirus to be treated as a workers' compensation injury as a presumption so that they do not face the uncertainty and financial burden even as they fight for their very lives. That is the position that I have taken both as the CEO and president and founder of the Wounded Blue, the National Assistance and Support Organization for Injured and Disabled Officers, but also the position that I take as the host of this show and as a law enforcement advocate. I urge you to follow in my footsteps when it comes down to supporting the men and women. You can do so by coming to our website, thewoundedblue.org. These men and women count on all of us. Thank you for listening to this week's broadcast of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement here on the America Out Loud Network. I'm your host, Randy Sutton. We have a great guest waiting for us in the interview room, and we'll talk again soon. If you love coffee as much as I love coffee, in fact, even if you don't love it as much as I do, but you like it, 
Law Dog Coffee Company is the newest and the greatest coffee company to come along in a long time. Now, all right, I admit I'm a little prejudiced because Law Dog Coffee is a major sponsor of the Wounded Blue. They actually donate 15% of their revenue to the Wounded Blue. And they are uh, a partner of, of the Wounded Blue in a lot of different ways. So, this coffee company is, uh, is law enforcement uh, based. It supports law enforcement. But most importantly, the coffee is amazing. I, I love it. I mean, it's, uh, it's rich. It's uh, uh, organically grown. It's ethically grown in, uh, in Costa Rica. It is uh, um, roasted by a family roasting company. It's been in business for 90 years. Uh, it's rich, it is delicious, and it gets delivered directly to your door. It's uh, subscription-based. You can have one pound, two pound, 20 pounds, however much you want, delivered right to your door and uh, and get a taste of this amazing coffee. So go to lawdogcoffee.com. It was one word, lawdogcoffee.com. And, and also, by the way, they get some amazing gear, uh, T-shirts and mugs and hats and all kinds of stuff. Uh, really cool designs. So check it out. LawDogCoffee.com. Tastes so good, it ought to be illegal. So I've got to tell you guys about a product. And it is a product that um, I've started using, uh, much to my, um, well, my surprise. It's a CBD product, and it's called LuxFight. And uh, i got to tell you, I was very hesitant because just, you know, with my background as a law enforcement officer, anything involving CBD I've always shied away from. But I was, uh, I was approached by a um, re retired uh, New York City police lieutenant who is in the business of these uh, uh, Luxvite CBD products. And he explained to me a lot more about it than I ever knew. Now, I've talked to people that have used CBD products before, and, and they rave about them. So... Um, when, uh, when, um, my, my, my friend told me about his products and about the fact that there is no THC in them and that there are reports available on the internet, uh, through this company that, that tells about the purity of the product and, and the fact that he didn't get into it until he was, was very, um, cognizant of the fact that this was the best product on the market. He'd done a tremendous amount of research. So you know what? I started using a couple of the products. And I, I got to tell you, I am shocked at the results. Now, because it's CBD, you can't go on and talk about the actual effects. Um, I guess that there are some, some uh, you know, uh, advertising uh, issues involving that. But I got to tell you, I, I'm liking what I am seeing and what I'm feeling. So check it out. It's LuxviteCBD.com. That's L-U-X-V-I-T-E-C-B-D.com. LuxVite.com or LuxviteCBD.com. They got all kinds of products. I'm not going to tell you which ones I'm using, but I'm using a couple of them. And, uh, and it is shockingly good. Check it out. LuxviteCBD.com. America.
AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. As we celebrate our four-year anniversary, thank you for making it all possible. Well, shouldn't news deliver truth and inspire us to reach higher? With blogs, podcasts, video, and 24-7 talk radio on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. Did you know the average person spends 26 years of their life sleeping? The real troubling statistic is that we spend seven years of our life trying to get to sleep, struggling with racing minds, tossing and turning. If you're one of the millions of Americans who need better quality sleep, the time to change is now. Sleep is proven to extend our lifespan, protect against terrible diseases like cancer, heart disease, and dementia, make us more attractive and thinner, feel calmer and happier, and boost energy levels, memory, and performance. Until now, most sleep supplements haven't worked, but a new easy-to-swallow sleep gel invented by the leading nutrition company Healthy Cell is designed to support all four stages of human sleep to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake up refreshed. It's called REM Sleep. To get a free two-night supply of REM sleep, visit HealthyCell.com sleep. That's HealthyCell.com sleep. I have a special guest with me in the interview room of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, and his name is Adam Davis. Adam is an author, motivational speaker, former law enforcement officer. His story is one that reveals pain that many hide and addresses the topics that many avoid. He shares his experiences of sexual assault, substance abuse, mental illness, and law enforcement. He is the author of Behind the Badge, 365 Daily Devotions for Law Enforcement, Bulletproof Marriage, a 90-Day Devotional with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman, and On Spiritual Combat, 30 Missions for Victorious Warfare, also with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Adam, thanks so much for uh, joining me today on The Voice of American Law Enforcement. Randy, it's so, so good to be on, man. Thank you so much, and uh, thank you for writing forward for Behind the Badge and for all your support over the years. Well, you know, and I wanted to wanted to let my or my listeners know that that uh, I uh, I actually did write the foreword for Adam's book. Uh, it's a uh, it's a it's a very a work that uh, is very unusual in the law enforcement realm, and I was I was very proud that Adam asked me to write that. So it's my it's my pleasure to to have done that for you, Adam. Absolutely, brother. Yes, it's uh, it's one of those things that you know books typically have a bell curve, right? You know, they'll come out, they'll do really good, and then they taper off, and you usually don't hear from them again. But uh, Behind the Badge has been out uh, coming up on two years, about to celebrate its second birthday, and it's still selling like it just came out two years ago. And so thankful for that, for the lives it's touched, and for being able to, to link arms with people like you to, to reach more. That's, aw- that's, that's awesome. That's great news. So let, let's get into a little bit of your background first so that the the listening audience can get to know you just a little bit. Tell a little bit about, about your background and what, what brought you to the, you know, to uh, creating this book. Yeah. So uh, behind the badge was um, it was the result of, of risk. (laughs) uh, Some call that a step of faith and um, a little backstory. My parents divorced when I was a little boy, uh, not unusual in the United States. 
Um, and uh, after they divorced, my mom remarried a man who's a, a, a preacher, Assembly of God preacher. And um, so when she when she divorced, she had to go back to work and left left us with different people. And along the way, I was with somebody who was an older man, not related to my family, and I was sodomized as a little boy. Um, grew up going to church every time the doors were open, held on to that stuff for a long time. Uh, got into law enforcement uh, mid late twenties and uh, had never told anybody about it until my early twenties. And, uh, but I grew up thinking that my faith was strong. I grew up thinking that, that I had it figured out that I was pretty squared away and I was not prepared for, uh, for what I got into in law enforcement and, uh, spiritually speaking. Uh, and what happened was, uh, I realized that I'd been trying to live up to a set of rules and regulations and it turned me to, uh, really, really heavy drinking. And, and I don't mean like social drinking. I mean, I was, I should have died several times and I didn't I'm thankful for that. And it led me to a place where I was completely hopeless and I felt useless and all the other negative feelings that a lot of people feel. And we get into that later, but. I turned to, uh, instead of drinking every night, I started writing. It was therapy. And I wrote and self-published a little book called Spirit and Truth. And it was devotion for law enforcement. And that book started a sort of a movement and, uh, and where we were speaking life to law enforcement using um, principles of faith. And that opened the door for a publisher to find me. And they literally chased me down to give me a book deal, uh, calling me, emailing me. And what's funny is leading up to that conversation with them, I had submitted numerous uh, queries to agents and publishing houses to get complete rejection and sometimes total silence. And uh, the day behind the badge was released, I signed a three book deal uh, to write three books with Colonel Grossman. Two of, two of those are out, well, one's getting ready to come out and we're working on the third. So it's a, it's a long story in a nutshell uh, over five years, how things have happened with the book. And I just want to be able to take the pain that I experienced and let others know you can't overcome it. That is a hell of a story, man. And, and, you know, it's interesting as an author myself, um, I can, I can relate to your experiences of trying to get published. Uh, it's a, that's a, it's a whole different world that publishing world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Big time. So Big time. It's, uh, it's would you mind fill us in a little bit about your law enforcement background? Yep. Started off night shift patrol, probably my favorite assignment of all. Uh, loved working nights, working the high crime areas. Uh, moved me to day shift patrol, eventually became traffic homicide investigator, uh, which was a natural fit considering I grew up running tow trucks and fixing wrecked cars with my dad. And uh, so traffic homicide was something I really enjoyed. Uh, became a hostage negotiator, trained by the FBI, moved me to criminal investigations where I worked uh, a lot of property crimes, but also uh, by the nature of the beast, worked a lot of violent crimes, sex crimes, uh, was the assigned sex offender officer and uh, really uh, stayed busy. I worked in multiple, wearing multiple hats intelligence analyst uh, working in collaboration with state, federal, local agencies. And, um, you know, it, I had a, I had a lot of fun. Uh, we had a, as a negotiator, I had a week long uh, hostage situation. I was a secondary negotiator 
uh, quite a bit of it. And it was a uh, man went onto a school bus in Dale County, Alabama, and uh, shot and killed the bus driver, took a little five-year-old boy hostage, took him into an underground bunker and held him for a week. And uh, at the end of that, FBI HRT went in, made entry, and killed the bad guy and took the little boy. And so that's, you know, that was that was one of those situations that sort of stuck with me for a little while uh, because we could see the little boy. We could see him on video. We just couldn't do anything until they gave us the go-ahead. And so we were basically just buying him time. And he was uh, he was an evil man, very evil man. And he, he, uh, he meant nothing but harm. That's all he wanted to do. And, uh, but some of my, some of the best days of my life, I went into law enforcement with, uh, with the mindset that I was going to retire. That's what I want to do the rest of my life. That's what I want to do. You know, I wanted to climb the chain and, and, uh, I loved it. I still love it. Miss it every day, but it was, uh, an issue where, uh, there's so many hours in a day. There's only so much you can do in 24 hours. You actually do have to sleep some. And uh, I couldn't continue the road I was going. And uh, it was just a matter of where can I have the most impact in my life before I die? And I felt like, you know, it was a tug on my heart from God to, to give that up for, for an opportunity to go and reach more that I couldn't do there. And so that's where I'm at today. And uh, that's the hardest decision I ever made to walk away. I'm still a reserve deputy and, uh, not active law enforcement, but heart's heart is behind the badge for sure. So, how many years total did you uh, in law enforcement? I was I was there from '09 to '15. Okay, so yeah, you uh, you were you were just at the not even the midpoint when uh, no when you when you took yeah. the other the other track. But you're you're touching so many lives now. Um, you know, I want to want to talk touch on something you just mentioned. You talked about this hostage taker uh, and that uh, he was an evil man. There is a concept uh, that I think most Americans um, don't really grasp. And that is that there are truly evil people that walk among us. And, and, you know, it it doesn't happen that often. Um, I can only remember, you know, a, a handful of people in my, in my long law enforcement career that I would actually refer to as evil. And, and that's a tough concept for many people to grasp. It is, you know, I'll tell you this, um, in most of the truly evil ones, you don't see or hear about until they go off. Um, we had a situation where a guy was going into different homes, mobile homes, actually, he was going into different mobile home parks. And he was breaking in in the middle of the night and he was very, he was progressing. He'd start off by just going in, like literally just going into a teenage girl's room and sitting there. And then he eventually started doing different things and progressing down the road to, uh, to raping. And uh, I remember when we got this guy and we interviewed him, interrogated him, broke him down. This guy was, you know, when you're sitting beside somebody, you look in their eyes, you just, there's a sixth sense you know, your hair stands up. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, this guy, I mean, I have never in, in my life, I wasn't around the guy who took the boy hostage. Okay. I, I wasn't around him. I could, I talked to him on the phone and you know, he, he was, he was an evil man, but this guy was, uh, I mean, he was as close to Satan as you could get. And, uh, th- there are people that walk around you and that is why, 
we have the men and women who wear a badge who are willing to respond to that evil. And, uh, you know, and I tell you, I tell it like this and you cut me off if you need to, but I tell it like this, uh, the reason why I do what I do with behind the badge or bulletproof marriage or on spiritual combat or talking to a law enforcement officer across the country is because there's no better man or woman to send into these places to face people who are the epitome of Satan himself than men or women who are armed with the love that changed me the day that I wanted to end my life. That's, that's who we need to send into the darkest of places because somewhere across our country today, there's a little girl, there's a little boy, there's a man, there's a woman that's hunkered down in a closet. They're tired of being beaten and they're praying to God. God sent somebody, send me an angel, come help me. Well, God doesn't print money. God doesn't make furniture. And when he heard that little prayer of a little girl, a little boy, man or woman, he sent an angel in the form of a cop. And we need to send the cops in that are armed with not only the craft and the skill set to respond to evil and to rescue those that are hurting, but to also go in with the love that can change them and, and save their life in ways that we can. So that's that's the, the drive behind why I do what I do is because I know the power behind it. I know how it changed me and how it's changed others. You know, when, um, when we're talking about uh, the men and women of law enforcement, um, yeah. you know, I, I want to I put a caveat out there. Um, I'm, I uh, am not uh, a person that is, uh, adheres to any specific religion. Uh, I consider myself a spiritual man, but I don't, I don't adhere to a particular religious uh, convention. Uh, but I do know this, and, and without you know, a shadow of a doubt, I believe this, and that is that law enforcement is a calling for many in that, that take up that, that, that shield and that badge. And, and the reason that it is a calling is because inherently they are protectors and that, that feeling of being able to step in and, um, and, and, and play a role that is, I believe that sometimes it is ordained, um, you know, at the times when, when we, uh, when we enter into the lives of people and, and, you know, that is guided by something or by someone. No, absolutely. Uh, you, we are in, in my belief and my, in the way I am. And I was, I went through a period where I, I essentially interrogated God. You know, I grew up in church and I said, you know, if, if you're really God and you're good and you love, then why is all this stuff happening around us? And, uh, I just had to come to a point of total surrender and submission to him and experience it for myself. I'm very analytical, uh, very analytical. And so I, I don't, I don't make those decisions lightly. It, you know, before I think it was a lot based on emotion and tug and whatever. And, and now it was an intentional decision I made. And yeah, I think that we are an extension of God's hand when it comes to addressing evil. Uh, we were put here for such a time as this and, to hold the thin blue line. That's who stands guard. That's who holds that line is men and women who are willing to answer that call, regardless of what their beliefs are. Uh, they're willing to respond and, and stand guard on that call. You know, I want to go back to, you know, when uh, you were talking about your, your, uh, your youth, uh, yeah. you were, you were sexually assaulted as a, as a child. Yeah. Um, what many people, many law enforcement officers included, um, are not aware of is that uh, 
this is so widespread, uh, the sexual assault of children, and many of many law enforcement um, officers had that same experience. And um, what's interesting is, of course, you know, I'm, I'm very, very involved in, in mental health for law enforcement officers. Yeah. And there is a therapy used for post-traumatic stress injury called EMDR. It's an eye movement desensitization. And this technique, when utilized by uh, the, the right practitioner, uh, has often brought up when in therapy for post-traumatic stress from, um, from on-duty experiences, it has often led to a um, uh, understanding that the underlying cause for much of post-traumatic stress actually goes back to childhood and yep. sexual assault. Yep. Yeah, you know, and I held on to that. What happened to me as a little boy, um, I, I told my, my wife about it. I got married at 18, been married this year 20 years. Um, but I told her about it, but she was the only person I told her about it until probably, I don't know, 24 years old. And it was right before my first child was born. And I had so much hate in my heart. And I knew who this person was. I knew where they were at. And um, I, I mean, I had nothing but pure hate for this person. And um, and I, I was wondering, how can I be a good father if I don't address this and deal with this? And so I started dealing with it. And I talked to a few people and, and started getting it out there. And, and I realized that it had had such an impact on my life, a negative impact on my life for many years. And so when I went into law enforcement, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was something that I have, it's something I continually have to work on. I mean, it, you know, I don't have any negative emotion tied to it, but I want to be sure that it's not affecting my decisions in the way that I, that I go forward in life. And, uh, you're right. EMDR, uh, holy cow. It is such a powerful tool, powerful resource. Uh, and what you what you guys are doing is, is, life changing it can it's going to spark a movement it already is in law enforcement to save lives so props to you guys on that and and uh, i encourage you, if you're dealing with stuff like that man get some help because there is a better way one of the things that i think is critically important in this uh, <laughs> in this discussion yep. is the role of faith in law enforcement you know like i said i uh you know, I, I faced some, some very dark times during my career. You know, I, and quite honestly, you know, after becoming involved in the Wounded Blue and talking to cops from all over the country, when it comes down to, you know, the, the, these very personal feelings about the, the darkness that we face, um, it, is, it is so common to go into that deep, dark, um, you know, place in our hearts and I think that, that you know, the, the, the book that you wrote, um, you know, provides that, that, that resource for officers to, when they are feeling in, in, that, in that place, being able to have faith uh, is something that, that can pull them out. And I think that's one of the most important aspects of your book. Yeah, you got to have, you got to believe in something bigger than yourself. Listen. I, I've never, never would try to 
um, force somebody to believe something that they don't want to believe. By no means. Um, I am, uh, I'm a living, walking miracle. I, I know that. I don't take it for granted in, in many aspects. And one of those is, you know, people with the, the wired the way I am usually aren't Christians um, because we're analytical and we need to see everything in black and white. I need proof. Give me proof. And um, I had to, you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. I was on with Marcus Luttrell and folks at Team Never Quit. We were talking about that. You got to believe in something bigger than yourself. If all you believe in is yourself, it's a, I mean, that's a great place to start, but it's a, it's a lonely, hopeless place when you're in, a, in that dark pit, that, that abyss that you find yourself in. And behind the badge does that. I mean, it just, it's there. There's people that, that have never, there's officers that have never been to church. They've never stepped foot inside a church and they still read this every day. And because it gives them that, that glimpse of, of light, that hope. And, uh, you know, and, and I think that's the least I can do to give back and, and to, to help one more. And that's my prayer is to help one more. You know, I think, I think as it now's a good time to talk about the power of the written word. You yeah. know, um, the first, uh, the, the first, I, I never intended to become a writer. I've published four books. I, that was never my intention during my career was to become a writer. It didn't happen that I consciously thought about it, but, um, I had a life changing experience and it moved me to write about that particular incident in my life. And that eventually gave, uh, gave birth to my first book, which was called, um, uh, the, uh, uh, it was it was called True Blue Police Stories by Those Who Have Lived Them, yep. and I collected stories from cops from all over the country in, in an effort to raise money for victims uh, from the uh, law enforcement families that were um, that were touched by the nine eleven. But here's here's my point: is that cops from around the country began contacting me, saying, "Randy, thank you for writing that book because." I thought I was the only one that had those feelings mm. and don't mm. did, So when you wrote, when you wrote this book and your second book, um, are you, are you getting the same type of response? Oh, listen with bullet. Uh, yes. With behind the badge. Absolutely. Uh, and I still get messages on behind the badge and that's phenomenal. But bulletproof marriage is one of those that uh, the events I've gone to speak at, I've had people come up and say, did you have a camera in my home? How did you know everything that was going on in my home? I'm like, because I knew that I wasn't the only one. And the more I talk about Bulletproof Marriage, which by the way, a little side note here, was nominated. I found out it is a finalist for uh, the ECPA, which is Christian Public Association, uh, Christian Book Award uh, of the Year. And wow. they'll announce that May the 5th. That is a huge, huge honor to have a book for cops uh, out there that's going to be recognized on such a major platform. And uh, we'll know May the 5th, but yes, I'm getting stories like that all the time uh, recently through Bulletproof Marriage, but through Behind the Badge. And that just tells me that if we can get out and we can have conversations with one another somehow, and especially through the peer systems we have, um, that we realize, hey, what I'm going through, I'm, I'm not the only one. Somebody else has overcome this and they beat this. How the hell did they do it? What can I do to overcome it and beat it? And we, we have to link arms. I mean, we have to restore that, that unity 
so that we can overcome the darkness together. That's what we're supposed to do. When we're isolated and on our own, we're like living on a on an island by ourselves. Uh, it's almost impossible to defeat. And uh, but we can do it when we link arms and we use the power of of unity. And that that is exactly what peer support is about. You know, in my organization, the Wounded Blue. That's what that's what we do is we provide peer support for injured and disabled officers all over the country, whether that injury is is physical or emotional. So yeah. you know you're 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 doing amazing work. Talk about the bulletproof marriage and uh, your speaking engagements. Yeah, so bulletproof marriage uh, was was born out of a conversation that I had had with Colonel Grossman. I reached out to him with behind the badge and said, "Hey, would you consider endorsing this work?" And he read it and said it was the absolute best thing on the market for law enforcement. Period. And he, he was all all in. And he said, let's write some books together. What do you think? And so Bulletproof Marriage was number one. And I said, Here, here's why this is priority for me. is because this is where I was at in my relationship. You know, um, I did everything in the book to destroy a marriage. And uh, thankfully, I'm still married. I'm very blessed. Uh, very rare breed. And um, I'm thankful for that. So I wanted to take the lessons that I had learned. And the lessons that uh, the principles that Colonel Grossman teaches in his Bulletproof Mind seminars and combine those into a book that is something that they would want to read, that both men, men and women would want to read. And, and it's, it's based on stories that, uh, that are real. It's based on principles that are effective. And it incorporates uh, prayer and it incorporates time together. So it's based on six principles, and that's communication. Uh, trust, conflict resolution, uh, intimacy, and unity, oneness, affirmation. So you take those those elements and you walk through a 90-day challenge together. And so I have speaking engagements all over the country last year. Uh, Taya Kyle, the Chris Kyle Frog Foundation, actually narrated the audio book of this, uh, Bulletproof Marriage. And this book took me all over the nation last year. And I was going to be all over the nation March and April this year. Of course. But with current events, that's been put on hold. So I took uh, Bulletproof Marriage and turned it into a master class. And me and Colonel Grossman are putting together, finalizing the touches on that. And uh, we've got quite a few couples that are already in. And it's going really well. It's uh, seven weeks and then some bonuses, videos, written content. It just takes you deeper into the 90-day the challenge. And uh, it's almost like having that live event and having a, a mentor in front of you while you're doing it. So it's uh, super beneficial just trying to find a way to still get the message out. You know, your association with, with Colonel Grossman, um, you know, er, almost everyone in the law enforcement community knows who Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman is. Um, I mean, yeah. he's a very prolific author. He's one of the best speakers that I've ever seen. Uh, and I, I uh, have seen him on numerous occasions, a man I have the utmost respect for. Um, to be able to have um, an, uh, a relationship with him in regards to, you know, presenting and writing, that is, uh, I can't really think of a greater honor uh, to, to be associated with him. And, and, and that's a testimony to you and what your, what your talents are. No, let me tell you something. Uh, having people like that in my life has, it, it, I mean, I would never imagine this five years ago. 
never imagined that I would be writing books with Lieutenant Colonel Dave Grossman. Let, just be like, just be honest. Uh, that was not even on my radar. That's like and being so, Santa Claus. you know and and so he's he's taken me to different places across the country i've been to pittsburgh nashville atlanta and man you know you go to those places and he's like this is adam davis you need to see his face know his name read his book because you just you need to know who he is and um and promoting me and man it's it's a huge honor i don't take that relationship for granted at all i don't take it lightly and uh, he's a great friend, great mentor, great brother in arms, and he is a powerful, powerful resource. If you're, if you're a rookie, if you're brand new, just starting, you need to get everything that he's written and read it. Uh, absolutely, it'll it'll absolutely save your life. It'll change your life. It'll preserve you, and uh, it'll enlighten you to things to come. So, highly recommend his books. He's uh, our next one is on spiritual combat. If you've read his book on combat. Um, it is, I believe that one has sold over a half a million copies. And it's the psychology and physiology of deadly conflict and war and peace. So we took uh, on combat. Um, I was the lead on bulletproof marriage. Colonel Grossman's lead on this one. And we turned it into the spiritual parallels of the psychology and physiology of deadly conflict and war and peace. And that was a challenge, but it is, it is going to be a blockbuster when it releases, it is going to absolutely be a blockbuster. Probably one of the best books I've written and been been able to collaborate on. And uh, looking forward to what the hearing from the readers on that one when they get their hands on it. Absolutely. And uh, just as an aside, uh, Dave Grossman was actually a guest on this very same radio program, Blue really? Lives Radio. Yes, he was. Yep. And uh, when was yeah. the last time he was on? Uh, it's been a couple of years. Um, we were talking about, uh, about how the, uh, health of law enforcement officers. And I remember that he was very, very passionate about getting the message out about, um, about what's killing our cops. And that is yeah. a, a, an unknown or an, uh, an, un, a misunderstood aspect of policing. And that is yeah. fatigue. Fatigue, oh, yeah. ki- fatigue kills more cops than anything, probably. Oh, good grief. Yes, absolutely. We talked about that, that quite a bit, especially right in this last book, you know, and tying in the spiritual parallels of it and the things you can't see, equipping you to fight the, the war that you can't see. And, yeah, it's, it's so good. Uh, I, I had a call with him right before me and you got on today, and we talked for about 15 minutes, uh, recording some content for communication for Bulletproof Marriage and Masterclass. And, I mean, it's like every conversation is there's something new, there's something gold. You just want to have everything recorded and written down. <laughs> so yeah. You don't ever want to let you don't want to miss it. So it's, it's exactly. Yeah. Well, so, so I we're. Appreciate you having me on. Oh, it's it's my pleasure. So, how can um, the listeners contact you? Yep. Yeah, probably the best way is uh, visit the website. It is theadamdavis.com. That's T H E adamdavis.com, or find me on Facebook, the official Adam Davis recommend for my listeners that they uh that they go to your website um check you out and um and for uh booking you that's the best place to contact you for for your uh seminars too yep uh i'm represented as a speaker by premier speakers bureau uh, but you can go to my to my website and those forms a copy over to them so either way we'll uh we'll get it we'll get it locked in and uh, the fall is going to be really busy if we can get past this uh, coronavirus stuff today and 
uh, this month and over the next few weeks. Uh, the fall is going to be very busy and looking forward to it. And, and I hope you reach out. Uh, I promise that I'll, I'll bring you something that will change your life in one way or another for the better. Once again, Adam Davis, the um, prolific author <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and speaker, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on to Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement today. Thank you, Randy. Thank you for having me on. Thank you for your support, brother. There's something very important I want you to do for me. If you've been listening to the Voice of American Law Enforcement for any time, you know that we are very dedicated to the law enforcement community here. I would like you to go to a website. It's www.thewoundedblue.org. I want you to read about how we at this organization are aiding injured and disabled law enforcement officers. If you are a law enforcement officer, and you have been injured or disabled, and you feel forgotten and alone, this is why we exist. We have a fully trained peer support team, all made of police officers who have been shot, stabbed, beaten, run over, screwed up, and screwed up. They know what you're going through, and we exist for you. You are the part of the Blue family, and you deserve to be treated with respect and dignity. Unfortunately, many Police agencies and cities do not treat their officers with respect and dignity when they are injured, either physically or emotionally. So go to thewoundedblue.org. If you are a citizen and you want to help, please check out how you can join the Wounded Blue. And if you're a police officer or have them, exist for you. So check out thewoundedblue.org. Now, I would also urge you to see our film. It is on Amazon, it is on iTunes, it's the Microsoft Store, it's pretty much every platform you can imagine. It's called The Wounded Blue, Service, Sacrifice, Betrayed. You would be shocked at how the men and women of this, you know, the law enforcement community in this country, many are being treated with such disrespect. Many people, most people, even cops, believe that if you are severely injured in the line of duty, you're going to be taken care of financially and emotionally. In many cases, that is not true. Please watch the film and help the Wounded Blue. End of Watch with Randy Sutton. Each week here on Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, we pay our respects to the men and women of the profession who have made the ultimate sacrifice and given their lives in the line of duty. During this pandemic, we are seeing... Uh, an increasing number of police officers dying in the line of duty due to being exposed to the coronavirus. Many of these officers have not been recognized as line of duty deaths, and yet some have. Uh, right now, I'm going to read names of officers who have died in the line of duty, both from this insidious disease and also from the other causes of law enforcement. The first is Captain Jonathan Parnell of the Detroit Police Department in Michigan. Captain Jonathan Parnell died as the result of contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Captain Parnell had served with the Detroit Police Department for 31 years and was assigned to the homicide unit. Captain Jonathan Parnell, Detroit Police Department, end of watch, Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. The second is Deputy Sheriff Shannon Bennett 
of the Broward County Sheriff's Office in Florida. Deputy Sheriff Shannon Bennett died after contracting COVID-19 while on duty. Deputy Bennett has served with the Broward County Sheriff's Office for 12 years and served as school resource officer at Deerfield Beach Elementary School. He is survived by his fiancée, mother, and brother. Deputy Sheriff Shannon Bennett, Broward County Sheriff's Office, Florida. End of watch, Friday, April 3rd, 2020. The next officer is Deputy Sheriff Terrell Young of the Riverside County Sheriff's Department. Deputy Sheriff Terrell Young died after contracting COVID-19 from an infected inmate at the Bird Detention Center. Deputy Young has served with the Riverside County Sheriff's Department for 15 years. He is survived by his wife and four children. Deputy Sheriff Terrell Young, Riverside County Sheriff's Department, California. End of watch, Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. The next officer is Police Officer Marco DeFranco of the Chicago Police Department in Illinois. Police Officer Marco DeFranco died after contracting COVID-19 while on, night, on duty. Officer DeFranco has served with the Chicago Police Department for 21 years. He is survived by his wife, two children, and a brother who also serves with the agency. Police Officer Marco DeFranco, Chicago Police Department, Illinois. End of watch, Thursday, April 2nd, 2020. The next is Sheriff Kirk A. Coker of the Hutchinson County Sheriff's Office in Texas. Sheriff Coker suffered a fatal heart attack shortly after responding to an unattended death near Fritch, Texas. He had responded from his home to the scene of the death. While at the scene of the investigation, he received numerous calls about gathering in violation of the COVID-19 social distancing executive order. When he cleared the death investigation and was en route to the scene of the reported gathering when he suffered a heart attack as he drove on State Highway 136, his vehicle left the roadway. He was found by other deputies approximately two hours later. Sheriff Coker had served the Hudson County Sheriff's Office for 12 and a half years and has served in law enforcement for 35. He is survived by his wife and three children. Sheriff Kirk A. Coker, Hutchinson County Sheriff's Office, Texas. End of watch, Sunday, March 29th, 2020. The next is Commander Greg Carnicle of the Phoenix Police Department in Arizona. Commander Greg Carnicle was shot and killed while responding to a domestic disturbance call involving roommates at an apartment near 40th Drive and Pinnacle Peak. He and two other officers were speaking to one of the occupants inside of the home when the man suddenly drew a weapon and opened fire, wounding all three officers. Commander Carnicle was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds. The other two officers suffered non-life-threatening wounds. The subject was shot and killed by tactical units as they attempted to take him into custody. Commander Carnicle had served with the Phoenix Police Department for 31 years was scheduled to retire in two months. He is survived by his wife and four children. Commander Greg Carnicle, Phoenix Police Department, Arizona. End of watch, Sunday, March 29th, 
2020. The next is Trooper Nolan James Sanders of the North Carolina Highway Patrol in North Carolina. Trooper Nolan Sanders was killed in a single vehicle crash on I-795 near exit 22 in the Pikeville area of Wayne County at 7.17 p.m. His patrol car left the roadway and struck a concrete culvert before landing on its side. Trooper Sanders suffered a fatal injury and died at the scene. Trooper Sanders has served with the North Carolina Highway Patrol for five years. Trooper Nolan James Sanders, North Carolina Highway Patrol, North Carolina. End of watch, Friday, March 27, 2020. Next is Sergeant Ben Jenkins of the Nevada Highway Patrol in Nevada. Sergeant Ben Jenkins was shot and killed when he stopped to assist a disabled motorist on US 93 near mile marker 106 in White Pine County shortly before 6 a.m. During the encounter with the subject, the man fatally shot Sergeant Jenkins. The man then stole Sergeant Jenkins' uniform and patrol car and fled the area. He was apprehended several hours later following a massive manhunt involving numerous agencies. Sergeant Jenkins was a veteran of both the Army National Guard and Air National Guard. He had served with Nevada Highway Patrol for 12 years. He had previously served with Nevada State Fire Marshal Division and with the Nevada Division of Forestry. He is survived by his wife, four children, five grandchildren, and a mother. Sergeant Ben Jenkins, Nevada Highway Patrol, Nevada. End of watch, Friday, March 27, 2020. The next is Trooper Justin Schaefer of the Washington State Patrol in Washington. Trooper Justin Schaefer was struck and killed by a fleeing vehicle while attempting to deploy stop sticks during a vehicle pursuit along I-5 in Chehalis. The suspect driving the vehicle had stolen an item from a convenience store in Lacey the previous day. The man had threatened the clerk with a stun gun and threatened to run him over. Thurston County deputies spotted the truck the following day and attempted to stop it in Maytown. The vehicle fled into Lewis County with deputies pursuing it. Trooper Schaefer was struck by the subject as he attempted to deploy stop sticks near mile marker 79. The man continued to flee until stopping and barricading himself inside his vehicle. Several minutes later, he was taken into custody by Thurston County deputies. Trooper Schaefer had served with the Washington State Patrol for six years. He is survived by his wife, parents, and brother. Trooper Justin Schaefer, Washington State Patrol, Washington. End of Watch Tuesday, March 24th, 2020. The next is Police Officer Kaya LaFay Grant of the Springdale Police Department in Ohio. Police Officer Kaya Grant was killed when she was intentionally struck by a vehicle during a pursuit at 8.30 p.m. The pursuit began in a neighboring jurisdiction when officers attempted to stop an armed suicidal subject. The pr pursuit proceeded onto I-275 where Officer Grant and a police sergeant were preparing to deploy stop sticks. The driver intentionally swerved towards them, striking them both. Officer Grant was flown to a local hospital where she was pronounced dead. The sergeant suffered non-life-threatening injuries. The subject was taken into custody. 
Officer Grant has served with the Springdale Police Department for eight years. She is survived by her parents. Police Officer Kaya LeFay Grant, Springdale Police Department, Ohio. End of watch, Saturday, March 21st, 2020. That was an inordinate amount of law enforcement officers who gave their lives in the line of duty. There are many more who are suffering from being afflicted with COVID-19, and I will report on them as time goes by. May they rest in peace. Thanks so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Blue Lives Radio, the voice of American law enforcement, where we bring you everything about law enforcement from a law enforcement perspective. A couple things. If you are on Facebook, please come to my page. That is the voice of American law enforcement and like it and follow it. Also, um, since you're going to be on Facebook anyway, go to the Wounded Blue and uh, like that and follow that as well. If you're a Twitterer, I'm at LT Randy Sutton. And um, I think that about covers my social media presence. I do want to hear from you. I'd love to hear from people that have uh, ideas about stories, about things you want me to cover. I try to be as responsive as I can. And uh, anyway, I I really do appreciate you tuning in to Blue Lives Radio. And, you know, uh, we've been on the air a little over three years now. And I hear from a lot of my folks that listen to the show that it's that it's meaningful to you. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.